Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. to us without end this morning. I thank you, God, that we are hidden in Christ today, that we are kept in you today. I thank you, Father, that we are perfected in love today. God, that perfect love casts out fear. And you're perfecting us in your love. And uh, I just pray over every heart here this morning. Uh, we, We pray that, Holy Spirit, your whisper would be obvious God, we thank you that you can say in one whisper what it takes a preacher to say 20 years. And uh, that's what we're praying for this morning. We're praying that you just do what you always do. And we thank you that you will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to hop, hop in this morning. Uh, we're in week three of a series that we've been doing around here called The Circle Maker. If you've been around the last couple of weeks, we've launched into this emphasis on prayer, and we're, we've been borrowing uh, the language from author Mark Batterson in, in the book he wrote called The Circle Maker. Now, if you're here for the first time, you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do not fret. It's okay. Uh, you yourself, you can pick up a copy of the book in the bookstore or not. You can just listen to what we have to say. That's totally fine. You can be a part as much or as little as you want to be. Uh, but we're trusting that for those of you who are digging in, the Lord is speaking some good things to your heart. Yeah? And uh, we, we just know that God is, is just unleashing us into some awesome, awesome things. Um, just to recap, I want to recap the last couple weeks. Um, we teed off this whole idea a couple weeks ago uh, with sharing a story, uh, the legend of a man, this was captured in the Jewish Talmud, it's a, a man named Honi, and uh, in, in this particular story, there was a drought that ravaged Israel, and uh, how many of you know that when, we, when it comes to praying for rain, it's always either too much or too little, right? Never quite just enough, Right? And uh, in this particular circumstance, it was just not enough. And so he walked into the town center. He drew a circle around himself with his staff. And uh, he dropped to his knees and he prayed a very bold prayer to God and said, God, I'm not leaving the circle until we experience the love, the mercy, the grace of God poured out on us, not just in a symbolic way, but in a very literal way. He's asking for the floodgates of heaven rain to actually pour onto the land. And that it did. And after praying for a certain period of time, some bold prayers, um, the people of God got to experience just a beautiful rain shower uh, that, that helped the land. And uh, that, uh, out of that circumstance, he became known as the circle maker. And people kind of got a clear picture that, that this man prayed a bold prayer and God honored it. And that was kind of the big idea a couple weeks ago. God honors bold prayers. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. And, and I believe he's wanting to impart that into some of us here, again, even today. Last week we talked about, uh, Nick brought a fantastic message last week. He shared some stories and talked about the idea of dreaming and some stories of him dreaming with God and, and God's invitation to us. And I just want to read a, sh- a short quote from Mark Batterson on that. He said, if you keep praying, you'll keep dreaming. And conversely, if you keep dreaming, you'll keep praying. Dreaming is a form of praying, and praying is a form of dreaming. The more you pray, the bigger your dreams will become. And the bigger your dreams become, the more you will have to pray. Somebody say amen. 
And so there's something that happens when we draw near to God. Our dreams do not become smaller. In fact, they become larger, requiring more need for prayer. And it's just kind of this, this cycle of how they kind of come hand in hand. Praying keeps us in a place of hope and faith and keeps us looking to what he's doing. Yeah? And so he's releasing some of that. This week, I want to follow it up. I want to take this one step further. I want to talk about an angle of prayer uh, that I just find incredibly interesting because it's very mysterious. And uh, really the big idea today, uh, I want to take a few minutes and, and talk about the idea of persistent prayer. This whole idea, uh, while there's certain things that we pray for, there's other things that God calls us to pray through. And sometimes we just lob prayers up in the air and just hope they find a traction point somewhere in heaven. But there's certain times... There's certain seasons, there's certain things that God lays in our heart um, where he asks us and he invites us to not just pray for them, to pray through and to, st- and to hold the ground, to hold a place until either he answers us or he tells us to stop praying, okay? And so I want to talk about that. And the reason why I think this whole thing is a little mysterious and a little hard to, to wrap our minds and, and heads around and get a grasp on is because when we look at Scripture, there's a lot of really important tensions we see in Scripture, while we know that the Bible is authoritative and infallible, I think we can all agree it's not always clear, okay? And, and here's, here's what I mean. Uh, just one example. When you catch Jesus talking about the kingdom of God and trying to explain the kingdom of God, he uses a lot of different word pictures. And in and, and, and one passage, he'll say, hey, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you must receive it like a child, okay? And he, he paints this whole picture of, you know, for the kingdom of God to be made manifest in your life, you want to inherit this, you need to receive it simply and humbly and just with thankfulness, just like a child. But then if you like flip the page, like the very next page, he'll, he'll talk, in Matthew 6 he talks about this, he talks a very uh, a contrasting image of how to receive the kingdom of God. He says, no, 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 the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And you're thinking, what? What, what, what just happened there, Jesus? I mean, you're talking about receiving it like a child. We flip the page, and then you're talking about taking it violently, okay? And so, so, so help us here because, you, you know, with both illustrations, one is G-rated, one is R-rated. How are we supposed to make sense of this here? And I, I think the, the, what, the way we have to navigate through certain things like this is there's certain parts of Scripture, they don't contradict each other. They're just different sides of the same coin. They're in contrast with each other because the invitation is to discern the season that you're in and ask the Lord how he wants you to receive the kingdom in that season, right? And so sometimes we receive it like a child, and sometimes we have to really press in and hold a place and press in and hold some ground, right? Are you guys following me? Okay, so prayer is a very interesting thing because there's so many different word pictures that even Jesus uses, all right? So hang with me for a second. If you're reading the scripture, you'll, you'll, ca- you'll capture Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And when he's talking to the Pharisees and he's trying to instruct the Pharisees about prayer, here's what you'll catch him saying to the Pharisees. He said to them, hey, listen, when you pray to God, don't do that thing where you go out in front of all the people and you just lift your voice and you just start babbling out and just saying all this nonsense and repeating yourself as if to be heard. Instead, don't you know that, that God knows your prayers before they even enter your mouth, before they even come out of your lips? He says, instead, lock yourself in a closet, shut the door so nobody can see you, and get before the Father and on your knees and begin to pray like this. And then he goes into what we know as the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And so he instructs the Pharisees in a very clear way because 
because obviously they were used to uh, trying to be religiously obvious to everybody else around them. They, they really liked the idea of, of being noticed in a religious way, right? Going down the street, being with people, I'm just going to raise my voice and try to be seen and heard. Jesus said, no, 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 knock it off. Whatever that is, stop it, all right? Go lock yourself in a closet and get the work done there, all right? The funny thing, though, is in another passage, he paints a very contrasting image. It's not a con- contradictory image. It's just a different image of what it looks like to pray. He's talking to his disciples. What I want you to do is turn in Luke 18, and we're going to look at this passage. And we're going to unpack this here for a second. And I, I need to get talking fast. There's too much I want to say. And so he's teaching his disciples. And he, he starts out, this is how I want you to pray. All right, so verse 1. Here's what he's talking to his disciples about. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to to them speedily. And he ends with this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so Jesus goes into another story, and he kind of uses, he uses like this reverse psychology thing, and he, he, he talks about a picture of an unrighteous judge. He said, hey, listen, there's, a, there's an unrighteous judge. He doesn't, he doesn't fear God. He doesn't care about people. But there's something about the persistence of this widow that she just keeps coming. Says she's bothering him. She's beating down his door. She's knocking at the door. He said, how much more? Would a father in heaven who loves you, not an unrighteous judge, but a loving father in heaven, be turned towards your prayers, those who call out to him day and night? How much more would, would, he, would he lean into those prayers? And he's painting this picture of his, his ability to, to want to hear the prayers of his people, the ones that are persisting after him. He said even an unrighteous judge would, would, would give in to that. But even my heart, though, the heart of a good and loving God is moved by the persistent prayers of his people. Now, some of us, again, this leaves us a little conflicted, and here's why. Because a lot of the language we use, and especially even here at Vine Life, we have a very strong value for intimacy with God and resting in God and trusting God and, and not coming to God begging as orphans, but asking as sons who the kingdom has been given to. Yeah? That is a message that we will preach the day we die here. That is something that is true and something that will continue to go out. But there's something that Jesus is saying here that is not in con- that is not contradictory. It's just a little different angle. He's saying, yes, come to me as sons. But he ends this passage by saying, nevertheless, will the Son of Man come? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, when I come back, am I going to find the type of faith of sons and daughters of God who are knocking on the door of heaven and won't give up until heaven opens up? Will I find that type of faith here on earth? And he paints this startling picture of what it looks like to come to him in persistence. 
And we get this just from this passage. We start to see this nature of God and this nature of Jesus and what his heart is turned towards. And it's not that it turns towards begging, but there's this thing of persistence as his friends, as sons and daughters. He invites us to come to him, and we read all over in the Gospels how his heart is turned towards these people. He honors the people that go to extra lengths to get to him. There's something about Jesus who is moved when somebody cuts a hole in the ceiling and lowers himself down to him just to get a little closer. There's something about Jesus who, who likes it when you bust into the party uninvited to pour out the perfume at his feet. There's something about Jesus that likes it to find the person who just pushes through the crowd because I just got to touch even just the, ed- just the hem of his garment, just, just the edge. There's something about him. He likes it when businessmen climb trees just to get a better look at him. And there's something about Jesus. He likes it when he sees, he sees this unstoppable persistence in the hearts of his people that says, you know what, I'm just going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep after this because I know what I want. What I want is you, Jesus. What I want is heaven to be opened. What I want is this earth to be flooded with the goodness of God. What I want is for the will and the purposes of God to be made known here. So I'm just going to, I'm going to keep knocking as long as this takes. And yeah, we're going to be in a place of rest and we're going to be in a place of joy, but there's a place of persistence here as well. Are you guys hearing me this morning? That's the Jesus we serve. And for the record, I like that Jesus honors those who break out of social norms to find him. Some of us have so domesticated our Christianity that it barely resembles what we even read in the scripture. We've, we've tamed our faith to be like a manageable house pet, to do what we want it to do. And we will put it on a leash, and we will feed it this much a day, and it will do what the rules of our house command it to do. And God's saying, well, here's a message for you, though. My heart is moved by those who at certain times just don't care. They will not stop at any length until they find my face. There's something about Jesus who's moved at the thought of persisting after him and of an unending pursuit. And what I think this passage exposes, what I believe this parable exposes is one of our greatest weaknesses, especially in the West, and that's a lack of spiritual endurance. Spiritual endurance, prayer endurance, endurance in our thought life, endurance in the condition of our heart. Now, let me, let me be clear in my definition of terms. When I talk about prayer, when we're talking about prayer, I absolutely believe in what Scripture teaches us and what God has invited us into. Prayer life is meant to be enjoyable and pleasurable and rooted in delight and, and flowing out of a place of love. So when I say endurance, I'm not talking about a begrudging submission to what he's telling us to do, Okay? So do not hear me wrong on that, because that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but it, this is a point of conflict, and it, it, it's easy to confuse this. And in fact, a, a few weeks ago, uh, I got a text from a dear friend who, who uh, was reading the book, and, and he sent me a text. He said, hey, you know, this, this whole idea, um, I love it. 
It kind of sounds like works-based stuff, though, you know? And it does sometimes. When we're talking about prayer and coming to God in prayer, sometimes it talks, when we talk about praying to God and, and being persistent in prayer, sometimes it, we, we can start to feel like it's almost like if you just pray harder, you're going to grow in status with God. You're going to work your way up the totem pole. He'll love you more. He'll like you more. He'll do more things for you, that type of thing. That's not what we're talking about. But, but don't be mistaken here, just, just for a second. God is not opposed to work, okay? He's opposed to earning, and striving for what he's already accomplished. But he likes work, okay? He, he rested for one day, and he worked for six days and rested for one day, right? Rest empowers our work. My job as a teacher and a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? Work is okay, because what it means is we're just cooperating. We're cooperating with him. We're not doing things in our own strength. We're just cooperating with him. And just a little nugget for you to understand here. And this tension between grace and, and, and work that we're always going to kind of be holding, uh, it's not a place of earning and striving. Here's just a little nugget. Grace should never, uh, grace should never breed passivity, and work should never breed striving. Did you hear me? Okay, grace should never bring passivity. When you're resting in God, you'll get your best work done. Okay? You might even work harder than you've ever worked before. Rest empowers your work. Okay? Grace is not a ticket to just sit down and just, and just, and just do nothing. There's a rest that comes in God and being seated with Christ, but it empowers us to be working with him and, and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. You know that, uh, here's one formula for you. We say that formulas don't work. Um, God will not answer 100% of the prayers that you don't pray. <laughs> it's your responsibility to cooperate with his heart and articulate the prayers of his heart. Okay, back to the story. I'm preaching. Spiritual endurance. To a long, steady cooperation with God and the work of his kingdom in your life, in your family, on this earth. Spiritual endurance is a lot like physical endurance. Um, and here's how I'll go about this one. Uh, last Christmas, I'm guessing a certain percentage of you, just after Christmas, uh, hiked out to a department store, and uh, for a sale, you bought yourself a shiny new Bowflex, okay? Or um, something similar, uh, P90X DVDs or some instructional videos, right? And uh, uh, just after Christmas, you decided, all right, this is the time. You saw the infomercial. You called the 1-800 number, and for $19.95 plus free shipping and handling, it was at your door before January 1st, right? Because this year is going to be different, you know? You're going to work out this year, right? You're going to get in shape. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because this would be highly embarrassing, okay? But statistics say, <laughs> more or less, by the time you got to Valentine's Day, that Bowflex is already on Craigslist, all right? Those neighbor, those, those DVDs were at a neighbor's house. You, you already lent them out to somebody else, man. They just ain't happening. Because somebody didn't tell you, and I, I wish more people were upfront about this, working out actually involves work. <laughs> See, they don't, they don't tell you this. And so all these people are misled. They go into these, you know, New Year's resolutions. Anyways, nobody tells you that it involves work. And so by the time things start, you start to feel a little resistance. You're like, man, I'm done with this. This is like working my body over, right? <laughs> and the funny thing is, when it comes to prayer, there's certain times where I think if we were to uh, take a look and examine it at our prayer life, there's certain times where we pray until we feel resistance versus praying until we feel a release. 
And there's certain times where some of us, we pray until it starts to feel like work. But there's certain times and certain seasons where God lays something on our hearts. He calls us into place. I don't want you to pray just until it feels like work. I want you to pray until I tell you to stop praying. I want you to pray day and night if you have to until something in your heart releases or, 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 or heaven answers you or God answers you. It becomes very clear that there's resolution to that. There's, a certain, there's certain times where we lob our prayers up into heaven, but there's other times we say, my heart is, is sure of this. My heart is determined. I am convinced I'm not leaving this place, God, until we see your breakthrough in this area. And... What we're doing is we're modeling what God does for us, even now. Scripture says in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit right now is interceding for you with groans and sounds that the words cannot express. And that sounds crazy, but that's what it says. All right, he's inter- he, nonstop, he's, he's circling you. We're talking about all these prayer circles. He's been circling you before you ever knew who he was or what he was doing or what he was up to. He'll be circling you to the end of time because that's how much he loves you. We're just taking our keys from him. Psalm 32 says this, the Lord compasses us. He surrounds us with songs of deliverance. So as you're listening to me talk right now, the Lord is actually surrounding you and his prayer for you are songs of deliverance. And you just keep singing them and he keeps singing them. He keeps circling, and it ain't going to stop. He's persistent. He's determined. And he invites us into that same thing. The thing about miracles is we all love miracles. We just don't like being in situations that require one, right? Can I get an amen there? We'd all rather just be hearers of the testimony. (laughs) I love that miracle. I just don't want to ever need a miracle, you know? Which, by the way, you should know about prayer. Prayer is never the pathway to lead to your own self-sufficiency. Sometimes we pray for provision because we want to depend on God less. That's a silly idea, by the way. Prayer should lead us into deeper dependency on Him, not less dependency on Him. Sometimes we pray, God, we can just provide this so I don't have to come back to pray to you tomorrow, right? That's not what we're talking about. And so, well, we love miracles. Miracles aren't always fun to be in. A few years ago, four years ago, to be specific, uh, my, my first son was being born, Noah. He just had his birthday recently. Um, it was a Mario birthday, because that's what he's into. And that's what I'm into. So, four years ago, he was born. That was our, Megan and I, that was our first rodeo with the whole childbirth thing, all right? The whole hospital delivery thing, and... and um, it was a fun one. He was getting so big inside of her uh, that um, the day after she was due, the doctor uh, that we were working with said, you know, we, we really need to induce you because he's getting so big, I'm concerned we won't be able to, he won't be able to, you won't be able to give birth naturally. And so I said, all right, let's do it. Now, when I say he's getting big, let's just be honest. It was his head. It was his noggin, right? Uh, now, he's four years old, so he's grown into his head a little bit more. Um, <laughs> First two years, though, he was a little top-heavy, all right? <laughs> but he's, he's an adorable, adorable son of mine. So day after he was due, we go in, and we had an appointment scheduled the whole deal Friday morning, and Megan and I were stoked, you know? We're like, can you believe it? Like three hours from now, we're going to have a beautiful baby boy. 
And then, so they start, you know, some of the medicine and the drugs. And then, uh, you know, we're just kind of waiting and waiting. A few hours go by, nothing. A few more hours go by, nothing. A few more hours go by. And it just was very clear. Her body was like, nope, ain't going to happen. Not today. And her body just wasn't responding to any of the, the medicine or anything. And so, you know, we get through like all day on Friday. And we're like, oh, man, geez, what's going on here? And we're like, okay, let's just sleep on it. So we get through the night. Little things happening here and there, but really no progress at all. And then we get to the next day, and uh, um, again, nothing's really happening. They're trying different things, but nothing's happening. So we've been there literally a day and a half just, just waiting for something to happen, and the doctor is coming in saying, listen, we have to get this baby. I mean, if you're not making any progress, we're going we're gonna to get him out. And there's a point, we just start feeling really discouraged because um, we were just working towards, you know, she really wanted to have this baby naturally, have Noah naturally. And, and um, there was a point where it's like, man, God, what's going on here? You know, we're praying, but it's like, what, what's happening? And I was holding my phone at one point that afternoon, and I was thinking to myself, man, I need to call somebody because I need someone to pray for us. I don't know who, though. I'm not sure who I'm going to call. And it's while I'm holding the phone, my friend Jason, Jason Robertson calls me, and he says, he picks up, he's like, hey man, how's it going? And I'm like, well, you know, it's been pretty, pretty discouraging. You know, we're pretty low right now. And he said, well, let me just pray for you. Just put me on speakerphone. And so I put him on speakerphone. He started praying in the room and praying over us. And somewhere in the middle of that prayer, something just started to turn and something started to shift. It was almost he transferred his faith through the phone line into that hospital room and something inside us said, yeah, I agree with this prayer. This prayer is awesome. And something just filled us with this new resiliency. So he, we hung up the phone and the doctor said, hey, listen, if you don't make any progress in the next couple hours, we're, you know, we're wheeling you down the hall. We're going to get this baby out. And so, and so Megan and I start praying. And we started praying very specifically, God, we need to see these types of numbers. We need to see this happen in this period of time. And so we're praying. And, and then an hour later, the doctor comes in and checks her. And sure enough, you know, she's making progress at the specific rate that we were asking for, specifically what we were contending with God for. But it wasn't the whole thing. And the doctor said, all right, you're making progress, but I need, you know, you need to continue to make progress or else this ain't happening. So, uh, so the doctor leaves, and we go back, you know, and we start praying some more. And say, God, just this much more. This, you know, we're looking for this much more, very specifically. And, and the doctor comes back, and, you know, she had progressed that much more, right? And so we go about six or seven rounds at this, all right? Every two hours, the doctor coming back, like, well, it looks like making a little more, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, it looked like an infection was starting to settle in, and, she, and it just got more urgent. And, and, and long story short, though, man, seven rounds in, she's making progress. There's something about this persistent prayer and always knowing, like, God, I'm going to keep, you've done it before, I'm going to keep coming back to you. I'm going to keep, my heart is going to be continued to move, to lean into your goodness and, and ask for the goodness of Jesus to be made manifest in this room and, and in, and in the, her body here in this place. And there is something about this persistent prayer place. There's something about that. Not only did, did our, were our prayers answered, but something happened in inside of us while they were being answered. And long story short, he ended up being born Sunday morning. We went to Friday morning. He was born Sunday morning very early on. It was a, a long, steady road of just, I'm just going to keep circling this thing. We're just going to keep going after because, God, we know you're good. And, and something we have to understand about prayer is that persistent prayer, though it sometimes feels like a wrestle, persistent prayer is a, is a win-win proposition. There is no losing in praying. 
Now, the reason a lot of us give up too soon on prayers is because we feel like we have failed if God didn't answer us. Or maybe we failed in discerning what his will was. Okay? There is no failure in prayer. The only failure is to stop praying. And here's what you have to understand. Prayer, persistent prayer, always will either move the heart of God or change the heart within you. So as you're moving through unanswered prayer, as you just keep circling, as you keep pressing after, as you keep contending for and holding a place and holding a ground with the Lord, there's something inside of you, and even as you're waiting for fulfillment or resolution, you know that something is happening inside of you. And we see this pattern all over Scripture. It's like, do you ever ask the question, why didn't God just do it the first time, Right? Why don't you just do the whole thing the first time? Why don't you have him circle Jericho seven times? Can you just do it the first time, right? Or he's talking to Elijah. He told Elijah to go up to Mount Carmel and to look out to the sea and to await a, you know, the, the rain coming in. He told him to go out and look seven different times. Okay, that could have, we could have saved all our time if you just did it the first time, right? Or he tells him to go dunk in the Jordan River seven times. It's like, okay, what's going on here? I think there's something, uh, there's something about this. There's something about the place of persistence, of being convinced of God's heart in the situation and, and his heart being filled inside of us and continuing to lean in and, and press in and remind ourselves of what's true and, and not giving up. There's something about that that God honors. Prayer is a, is a no-lose proposition. Do you understand that? And he's calling us to be a people that go a little further than everybody else tells us to go, that press in a little bit harder. It's our joy to do it. It's not, it's not a begrudging submission like we've said. This is the joy and delight of our hearts to press in to the voice of our Father, to see heaven break into earth. And some of us, he's just leading us into this place. Like, listen, you've been doing it for one way long enough. I'm calling you. I want you to park yourself here just for a little while, and I want you to give yourself maybe night and day, maybe every day for a year or two or five or the rest of your life. And here's some things I want to deposit in your heart, and I want you to pray until you see heaven opened or until I tell you to stop. Is anybody alive here today? We get to cooperate with him. Now, i got to land the plane here really quick. Here's a couple things. Some of you, when you examine your prayer life, maybe you just see it as a little boring. You just run out of things to say, okay? Listen, don't feel ashamed about that. It's okay. The Lord just wants to give you more bold prayers and bigger dreams. But one thing that's easy to do is he's given us his word already. The scripture is filled with thousands of promises. And one encouragement to you this morning, if you're just looking for the heart of God, open his word. Instead of reading the scripture, pray the scripture. You can pray the promises of God over your life. Pray the scripture. Let it work inside of you. Let it work you over. Just settle in. Let it simmer. And there's something about that that's just so important for us that we're not reading the Bible like a newspaper. We're praying it out as it's a living book. (laughs) Anybody on that? (laughs) Okay. Okay, here's another one. This one's important. When it comes to defining and looking at the places God wants us to press in persistently, I, I just want to encourage you here today. You need to be paying attention to the places in your life where the enemy is attacking you most. 
My friend Jonathan says it like this. Um, the enemy will attack you in the places where you're born for greatness. If you want to understand the plans of God for your life or for your kids or for the pe- what's going on, pay attention to what's being attacked and assaulted because it turns out that could be the very place that God has intended all along for you to walk in victory and breakthrough, for that to be a message in your heart. Earlier this week, some friends and I gathered in a living room. Um, some dear friends uh, several weeks back found out that their, their children had been abused. And so as parents, they're trying to walk through this. And we, uh, we organized a prayer night um, earlier this week and got to circle them up in prayer and just pray over their family, pray over their kids. And it's one of those things, if you're that apparent in that particular circumstance, man, you're just feeling frustrated, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling maybe a little fearful about what that's going to mean for your kids' lives or what, how this is going to play out. And God, we're just asking for healing and restoration and all those things, just this whole load of emotions. But it was very clear as we were praying, as we were praying for the kids, that I think the Lord, he kept depositing this in our hearts as we would pray, that this was just a sign that these kids were born for greatness, that what God had planned for them, the enemy was trying to attack, but as we were declaring the lordship of Jesus Christ over their family and marriage and over their kids, it was very clear that the Lord, what the enemy intends for bad, the Lord is just going to use to strengthen them and to propel them even deeper to all the plans and the purposes for their life. And so we were speaking that over them, like, listen, you have to understand this. It was clear in that moment. I think it's clear for some of us. This has been a, a, a year where I think for a lot of us, if I pay attention to a lot of the stories I hear, you, you just, you just got to pay attention to where the enemy has attacked you because really what he's doing, he's overplaying his hand. He's just overplaying his hand. And you see what he's doing is he's just pointing to the very area that the Lord intends to raise you up in. The enemy is afraid of the places you will be great He is afraid of you being strong in the Lord. He is afraid of you breaking through. So do not be discouraged when you face a battle because it's just a signpost of of what's to come. (laughs) Okay, we've got to land here. Here's what I want to do. Um, on that last point there, I think some of you need to be reminded of that. <clears throat> um, I, I want to do this. In the room here today, if some of you are in that position where you are aware of maybe some of the attack in your life from the enemy of our souls, and you know that those, those are in places where God wants you to experience breakthrough. Those are places where you're called to be great and you know it. What we want to do is we want to circle you in prayer. We want to lay hands on you and we're going to call out the greatness inside of you. And we're going to bless every plan of God in your life. And we're just going to pray that no no scheme of the enemy can thwart the plans of God for you. Are you guys with me on that? Okay, so if, that, if that's you in the room here, I'm just going to, maybe you're new here with us. Maybe this isn't what you normally do. That's fine. We're going to ask you just to be bold and just to stand up right where you're at. Just to stand up right where you're at. Some in the back, over here, some down here. Lots of people are there. You know what that tells me? 
there's a lot of great people in the room here today. <laughs> so if you're around them, would you just lay a hand on, if, if you're comfortable with that, lay your hands on their shoulder or their hand or on their back. And what I want you to do is to begin to speak into them and just pray for strength. Thank God for an incredible future and destiny. Thank God for a breakthrough for them. Celebrate with them the plans of greatness for their life. God, I thank you for this room, God. We thank you for every man and woman, mother and father, son and daughter, Lord Jesus, that is pressing into you today, Lord God. The ones who have seen, the ones who can kind of uh, uh, have seen that they have come under assault in the very places God, where you are raising them up, and today, even now, God, we pray for a spirit of breakthrough to permeate, Lord God. We thank you for persistent prayer, Lord God. We circle them up as their family, their brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of the Christ, and we say, be strong in the name of Jesus. Rise up. Lift up your heads. Be strong in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough. Be victorious. Push through. You were made for greatness. You were made for greatness. You were made for victory. You were made to display the goodness of the kingdom of God here on earth. You are made to be a living representation of Jesus Christ here on this planet in every place your feet treads. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. We're honored by you in the name of Jesus. And we just ask that that spirit of encouragement would rise up, God. Would you bring courage to the spirits of your people, Lord God? We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. As greatness wells up in this place, we get to celebrate every good work that you're doing in this place, Lord God. We partner, Lord, with the force and the gravity of the kingdom of heaven to pull us into victorious futures with you, Jesus. We love you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, God. And it's in your name we pray together. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just thank Jesus together in this place and praise his mighty name?